Watch him throw the ball, we gon' pick it off You gon' let him hit the hole or you gon' cut it off You gon' play through fourth and long or you gon' punt it off Your defenders have you hit us, put your pads in Don't be looking for the ref to throw no flags in Keep the helmet on, keep the cleats tight You the type to wanna win by any means, right? You should look alive, this is Trapper Dive Yes sir, welcome back to another Trapper Dive podcast I am your host, Smalley Mall, man um, AJ and Dre is on the way uh but while we wait on them and before we get started let's get the administrative items out of the way um as always we appreciate everybody who's tapping that live um watching the show live um if you haven't done so already on the youtube side hit that like button hit that subscribe button um if you have did she just mess up my okay all right um if you have not followed or subscribed or rated or reviewed on the audio side man we definitely appreciate you if you tap in on that side show your support man it's free to do so uh and, and you know we can never get enough ratings and reviews on chopper dive side uh jerry appreciate you checking in live again you welcome to join the chat um shout out to twitter for allowing those uh tweets to come through or those uh periscope messages to come through i think that's what it's called um anyway we have a few things to discuss man we know adam peter since we last talked uh, has been named Washington Commanders general manager, um, which is a, a home run for everybody involved. Um, you know, and I think for everybody who is on the outside looking in, people like me, people like AJ, people like Dre, um, this was as good as it can get if your owner uh, and his new venture your new owner for the commanders is able to land his top target. Um, Jarian, you mentioned something, right? Uh, and I'm glad you brought this up for those that's listening. Jarian said it's refreshing to have adults in the room. Right. And as Adam, uh, Peters started speaking today, right. My main thing when I was listening, I was so paranoid. Um, and, and now I know I'm not the only one who felt like this and I'm not saying, that y'all listening or watching felt like this, but like, I felt like I was, I had some, <laughs> I felt like I had some sort of PTSD, bro. Like I, I swear, I swear I did like listening to Adam Peters talk. He sounded so professional and he sounded so, um, uh, uh, what's the word? Uh, like his words were, uh, intentional. Right. Um, and, and I, I didn't see like some bravado where, you know, there was uh something where like he was overly confident. Like he he stated what he felt, he stated how he felt to get to where he is, like all these things, right? But I just couldn't help but think from the previous uh situations with uh previous front office individuals, previous head coaches, and again, uh I maybe have some some healing to do, <laughs> but hearing Adam Peters speak and speak so well, I was like, bro. I feel like they about to calm me. I know it's not happening. I, I just, I just had this, I just had this thought. I was a little nervous, man, but that's how good he was speaking to me. Like I was like, yo, I, 
I appreciate and respect everything that he's saying, but where's the where's the slick? Where's the rug pull? <laughs> but I know there ain't one, and that's a good thing that you mentioned, Jerry. And I was like, I was like, bro, he was he was on point. Um, but I think that's the real good thing. And, and I have some specific quotes that we'll tap into that we can kind of um dissect a little bit. So with that being said, let me go ahead and get Dre in. He just joined up. And we can kind of discuss that a little bit. Dre, what's going on with you, player? How you feeling, man? What's good, man? Happy Founders Day. Well, happy GM Day, man. <laughs> <laughs> we good, happy man. GMT. Hey, look, um, I knew the press conference was going to happen today last week. No inside knowledge. I just figured this would be just the perfect day to do it. So I was looking forward to it, man. And, you know, I'm sure we're going to get into it. But, man, it, it was good to see, you know, Adam Peters talk and, you know, hear his vision going forward. Hell, yeah. I mean, let's tap into it. Um. And then we'll on the back end after this Peters conversation, we'll talk about head coaching uh, updates, uh, interviews, things like that. And, and kind of like the, it's so crazy because we'll, we'll talk about it in a second. I just want to preview it. Dre, every almost every game had a matchup where they were potential head coaching candidates for Washington. That was that was crazy to see um, uh, 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 Ben Johnson versus Raheem Morris, ben, Bobby Slowick. Uh, he was, I think he was standalone. I don't think there was nobody on the Cleveland side. Um, but either way, Bobby Slowick had his matchup. Um, and then you look at, uh, 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 who was the other game? Um, it was one other game that slipped my mind. Um, uh, you already said Ben Johnson and Ben Johnson, Raheem Morris, uh, Dan Quinn, Dan Quinn, Dan Quinn, there you Uh, go. Dan Quinn had a matchup against Green Bay and, and, uh, and that head coach over there. I'm drawing a blank on his name too. Oh my goodness! And then even by byproduct, the, the the Eagles OC, even though he wasn't like he's not, I don't think he's high up there at all. But I mean, they they did what they did against Tampa Bay, um, and you know, I guess technically, honestly, the Tampa Bay OC, like he's quiet too. But yeah, yeah. um, yeah, like that whole bunch of matchups. Anyway, let's go ahead and talk about yeah, Dan Quinn. Um, let's go ahead and talk about uh the the pressure from Adam Peters. Uh, AJ's in the. I don't know what just happened, to AJ, but I'll wait for AJ. Make sure he's straight before he before we bring him up. Um, but I'll get your opening thoughts, bro. Just just your general thoughts. Like I said, when you were backstage, I was a little paranoid, um, or maybe suffering from PTSD, knowing how well he spoke. I just felt like there was some slip under the rug or slip slip of the rug that was about to happen or that may be happening. But uh, I, I think that I just need some healing uh, to take place so I can recognize a good speaker. And a professional speaker when I see one nowadays that now that especially Dan Snyder is, is completely out of the building. All of his all of his hires are essentially out of the building. Yeah, I mean, for me, Ma, um, you know, I kind of went into this. It's funny you mentioned all of that because I went into this with a bit different kind of perspective or reaction that I would have had in years past. Like in years past, I used to go into these things looking for, oh, man, you know, anything they say going to win me over. You know, it's kind of hard to lose a press conference. I mean, actually, in my younger years, the only well hired, he wasn't a general manager. He was the head coach at the time, Jim Zorn. He was the only one that kind of made me skeptical in a press conference when he didn't even know our colors. <laughs> he said that, yeah, that was the main one. Obviously. <laughs> yeah, the maroon and up. black. 
I thought yeah, we was getting new thing. uniforms. I said, hold on, Braille. We <laughs> yeah, like, did we change colors or something? But, I mean, he just didn't really – he didn't know. So, I mean, that's one way to lose it. But other than that, you usually go into these things expecting to hear great things. You're expecting to hear a bunch of fluff. But as a fan, you're kind of eating it all up. You're taking it all in. But this time, you know, I went into it with a different approach because I know winning the press conference is a thing. You know, everyone says, oh, he won the press conference. And I don't even know what that means anymore because we've said that about everyone has kind of stepped through here the last few years. Like we said, Ron won, won the press conference. But then when you kind of look back at what Ron did in the press conference, he had a cardinal sin in his first press conference. He put a timetable on how long it should take to rebuild. Fans would never let that one die down. We still talk about that today. Like, it doesn't take four to five years. But that was one of the good uh, answers or one of the notable answers that I noticed from Adam Peters. He didn't go in. He didn't set a timetable. He said, hey, these things don't have timetables. He was saying, you know, we want to see we, we want to get to the point where we're seeing progress like we did in San Fran when I first got there. Like the results may not have been there, but you've seen it coming through. You've seen it coming together. And, you know, that's kind of the expectation he's setting here, which is good, which means don't come in here expecting a quick, quick turnaround. But at the same time, you can hold us accountable for showing progress that should be seen early on in, uh, you know, in, in your start or your tenure. You know, but those are some of the things. I mean, I thought it was real vague. And what I what I kind of took away from it was that they seem a little prepared. Again, I could be off. We could look at this a couple of years down and say, oh, man, he didn't know what the hell he was talking about. But for me, looking at it now, it seems like they were more calculated, more prepared, and, and they weren't giving you a whole lot. It was like him and Josh had a plan before they stepped up at that press conference. Like, you know, hey, we know we can't say too much. We still got a lot going on. We're going to give them a little bit, but we can't give them a lot. And they didn't stumble over their words. You know, they weren't stumbling over their thoughts. It was, you know, very matter of fact and what they were saying and what they were trying to get across. So, I mean, that's, that's those are some of the things I like. But, again, it's too early to say whether he won it or not. But I do love that they seem prepared. I mean, Adam seems like a very personable guy. I mean, he legit seemed happy. I don't think he stopped smiling the whole time he said that's <laughs> That's where I was about to go, Brad, because, like, even – even when you think about the pressure and itself, because you're 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 good, you're, you made a really good point just in terms of like winning or losing a press conference, like it's hard. Like the only way that this becomes a problem is if you look like um uh, the Philly coach and his intro press conference, bro. Like if you lose the press conference, bro, it's a story. Um, but to that point, like some some other things to take away when you mentioned like he was legit happy. Uh, and, and AJ just checked in for those that's listening. Uh, we'll get his thoughts next. Um, one thing that he mentioned, bro, like he said, he probably wasn't even a very good negotiator when he was in the room with with Josh Harris, bro. So like the 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 thought that and and then Josh Harris confirmed it. Like unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> he wasn't a good negotiator. Like I think for for Adam Peters, when they asked him, you know, how important was it for for him to choose Washington? Um, and he said it was everything. Like the opportunity with ownership in place and 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 that entire group. Like he was, he was all in, and and to your point, like he was smiling when he said it. Um, he said that there was other great opportunities, but it's it's this situation made it easy for him to pass up every other one. So for a person who's coming in here with that mindset, and then Josh Harris like pulling back the curtain just a tad bit, like acknowledging, yeah, he he won this job as soon as, as soon as we offered it to him. Essentially, like that's that's good to hear. Um, but also what that tells me, um, when I think about like uh foreshadowing um i think that there's going to be opportunity and we're going to touch on this in a second too because he spoke on this um but there's going to be opportunity in free agency to kind of reshape the narrative of washington um and not just this year we're talking about years to come when when there's other 
key situations that we need, whether it's free agency or even trades and people wanting to come here. I think that's a good shape because if, if you got a person that's high on the board is, is Adam Peters in your organization and that wants to come here and who was a terrible negotiator when he was in the room with the ownership, you're, you're probably talking about some other things that you can kind of uh, start to uh, acknowledge can, can be real possibilities here in Washington. What's going on with you, AJ? Colin, Colin, you good? Yes, sir. We good, man. We just over here uh, just giving our, our general thoughts on, on what we heard today from Adam Peters and, and Josh Harris. Yeah, I mean, I think uh can't really reveal too much in this presser because you don't have a head coach hire. So if you're going to be going out there interviewing <clears throat> a diverse uh, amount of candidates, you can't really say but, but too much. What's the saying? You can't really put the, the cart before the horse. So it's like it had to be very vague. It had to be kind of straightforward in how he plans on approaching, you know, in, in collaborative effort with that potential head coach. Um, I mean, what I really took from it was, you know, it's a new day. It's a new air. Um, I think that the expectation has to be you, you turning this thing around within five years, um, which is not really a lot of time. But when you look at just this weekend alone, uh, teams that have been able to, you know, achieve success, especially after being what the the Texans were three and thirteen and one last year, <laughs> like they turned it around immediately with a with a head coach and new GM, and that's not to say that that automatically has to be the result, but I think some of these some of the fans or whatever are going to be expecting that as well. They're going to be expecting, you know, some type of quick uh, show of growth. Uh, they won't get the opportunity necessarily to be what it, what is the record two and two and thirteen. I don't even know what their record is this year, but they won't get the opportunity to sell that to the fan base of coming out this year with the same type of record. But I mean, I guess where I'm a bit confused. Uh, I know I shared with y'all in the group chat earlier. They said they already did like interviews with Mike McDonald and, and Anthony Weaver. So I'm wondering who, who like led those interviews. <laughs> with, the with committee was. Uh... Yeah, no, I was gonna say uh, I think the committee was conducting those preliminary interviews, and who knows? I mean, Peters could have been in on it. <laughs> I mean, well, we wouldn't know that because they can't put that out there because he wasn't under contract. But I mean, for the most part, I do believe that they were saying the committee was going to conduct interviews into the GM thing. And Nikki Javala just put out a tweet saying that um. Since Peter signed his contract yesterday, he hasn't been on any uh, head coaching interviews, but they say he will be leading in the center going forward. Yeah, so I mean, at the end of the day, that's uh, pretty much, you know, the, the basis of everything. Uh, the same way they kind of move fast with, with hiring him, I expect him to move fast once again with this this uh, other process. and going But do you think they need to move fast for this, though, AJ? I mean, because I – from Hell all accounts, yeah. we are we are the top job. Well, at least not the top job, but we're a top three job probably in most candidates' eyes. So it's not like in the past where we kind of had to jump on these things quickly because we weren't no one's first option or first, second, or third option probably. So do you really think they have to rush the head coaching process? My bad, man. I'm I'm in Kaiser. And yeah, I was going to ask you if you was in a library. I'm sitting, bro. I'm sitting in the area by myself, and then all that's, of a that's sudden, that's why you want to come sit next to me and shit, like. He sounded like Eric Stokes when he wanted that nah, man. Because it, it was like I was sitting, I was sitting by myself. Like, ain't nothing wrong with me. 
like I don't know, my pop said something wrong with him. He asked me to come and get him and brush him to urgent care. But yeah, either way, I was sitting by myself, and now everybody want to come sit next to me and shit in a in a department that's not even fucking open. Like, <laughs> but you uh, do that really yeah. busy, AJO. <laughs> yeah, because it's just like, bro, I'm sitting in a department that's closed, like, and you just came and sat here with your whole family. But uh, yeah, either way. Um, I think it is important to move fast on this. Like, look how many job opportunities are available out there. Uh, then on top of that, there's other good quality jobs too. So if you feel like you identified your guy, like you gotta you gotta bust a move quick. You feel well, me? I guess you what's really the question? Time. Like, what's fast? Like, are we talking about this? Because I, I think that's kind of the conversation. Like, Dre said, do you have to? As soon somebody. as you know, like no, no, no. If, if, if you if you interview somebody tomorrow, can y'all, yeah, I can hear you now. Can you froze for a second. Yeah, you good? I'm still there. Yeah. So if you like interview your guy tomorrow and you you feel like, hey, we don't need to talk to anybody else, go ahead and get that contract put together and sign it. Like you don't have time to waste. Um, and there's a lot of these candidates that are within the playoffs still. But you really don't have time to waste, man. Like all of the top guys have like three to four interviews lined up, whether it be the Ben Johnsons, the Raheem Morris, the the Harbaugh's, the Belichick, and then you might have another opening, such as like the Eagles that might come open. You feel me? Like all the top guys that you revere on the marketplace have three to four interviews lined up. You need to go well, ahead and start going. Like yeah, I was gonna say the only reason I asked that was because I don't even think they can do in-person interviews until next week. So I was wondering if you kind of wanted to wait to do that, or you think they should probably already know who their guy is through the Zoom interviews, or you know, if you just kind of wanted to cast that broader or at least the more thorough search of adding the in-person thing. I felt like maybe next week would be more likely than this week. Yeah, I mean, I <clears throat> I don't remember all the new rules that they've updated it to. I know last week. I remember it being a 20 something. Yeah, I remember. I remember like it was virtual. And then this week, like some of those guys can do in-person interviews if they're within the playoffs. Um, And like you said, Maul, I think the official window for those that aren't in the playoffs, I mean, that dope for those that are in the playoffs can't be hired until the 26th. But those that are without, like, for example, the Atlanta Falcons, <clears throat> Excuse me, the Atlanta Falcons could hire uh, Bill Belichick now. The Chargers could hire Jim Harbaugh now. Um, but, yeah, I think if you identify that's your guy, you don't need to waste anybody else's time and your time interviewing anyone else. You know, you kind of start solidifying how you want to establish things. Uh, the benchmark is already set that it'll probably match Adam Peters' contract of five years. Um, it's just – you know, do you have how many other offers do you have on the table? If you're a Ben Johnson, who for some reason, which I, I, I feel like it's all PR, um, a lot of his details behind his hiring process has been public in comparison to everybody else. You've heard the 15, uh, 15 million benchmark uh, a year. Uh, you've heard so and so things. You've heard connections with Adam Peters to Washington being pushed by national pundits. So, it's like, I think that it will get done as far as locking in who their guy is before the weekend. And then by next week, uh, when the 26 rolls around, one of those guys happens to still be in the playoff hunt, they'll go ahead and get it confirmed immediately. Um, 
So we're going to pause on the, the head coaching thing and, and just close one part of the pressure and then get back to head coaching. Um, There was one thing <clears throat> that uh, was interesting that everybody kind of took note of. If there was one hiccup, Dre, not in a negative way, um, but like if there was one hiccup with Peters is when he was asked about the, the surrounding or, or his thoughts on the roster, right? Uh, he had like a two or three second pause um, and then he stated, I believe that there is a few cornerstone pieces in this on this roster. Um, I thought it was interesting, not from the standpoint of not from the standpoint of like I actually think that he thought the roster was bad. Uh, I thought there was two possibilities here. Um maybe he doesn't fully know everybody on the roster yet, and he had to find a way to like think of people who can jog his memory quick. Oh, I know Terry McLaurin. I know Jonathan Allen. I know Deron Payne. I think that there's some few cornerstone pieces on this roster. Um, or I know Cam Curl too. Like, I don't know what he's thinking about Cam. Um, and, and there was one way to think about it. Uh, the other way to think about it was like, all right, I don't think these guys are that good right now, but let me kind of not say that they aren't good. And that's where you get the, the opening statement. Um, overall, on that response in itself, uh, he said that he believes that they have a lot of work to do in just evaluating everybody. That's going to start with the coaches. Um, and then when we hire a head coach, we'll sit down together uh, and, and with the personnel department and we'll sit down and evaluate everything and figure out where we need to be. Um, he said he started a little bit, but he's but he has a lot of work to do. Um, and, and from that standpoint, uh, you got it, AJ. But from that standpoint, I, I think for for this roster and I think for everything that's going on with Peters, uh, there's going to be a lot early on. I don't know what the structure will be like once things get uh, like settled, but early on, there's going to be a lot of collaboration going on and, and probably from some of the people that's currently here in the front office. Yeah. I mean, I think not even, I think I know Adam knows the roster in and out because that's the main thing of the interview. You got to be able to identify the roster. Like what is your vision? What is your plan? to write this shit like those to be clear though things. i'm not saying he may do or i just meant like i don't think oh, you no, know, i'm not i'm not, challenge, from, I'm not challenging from 40 i'm not to challenging 53. you yeah i'm not challenging you on that what i'm saying is more so he can't be committed to to i don't even know if i just use a real word but he can't be committed to anybody in particular like player wise on this roster until they figure out who their head coach is because anything could change it's, it's fluid you feel me it's not like they got an aaron donald or a michael parsons where you could be like oh that person is a franchise guy no matter what organization they're with like you got pieces on your team that you could work with but you don't have no one that has to stay is is no one mandatory that needs to stay within the fold so that's where i feel like he couldn't really make that that bold statement but he did give an inclination there's a few cornerstones now, if you want to, if you want to play the guessing game, who those cornerstones are, go for it. I mean, I I can think of maybe a couple off the top of my head, but at the end of the day, that's where he, he kind of left it. Where in his opening presser, he isn't committed to anyone fully. It's more so let's see who we bring in here, coach wise, and what we think we can do with them to fit them best within the system and get the best out of them. But I think that opens the door for anybody being able to get moved, if it makes sense. 
Yeah, and um, I mean, I'm with you, AJ, as far as, like I said, I mean, Josh Harris noted how prepared Adam was in the interview and the questions he had. So, you know, he studied everything. It sounded like he he came in with a list of questions. I know your roster. You know, I know this. So, I mean, he he, he I think he probably knows the roster uh, uh, really well at this point uh, and where he's at with Washington. But um, I think that's probably one of the most attractive things for him or any general manager candidate, to be honest, because it's essentially a blank state uh, a blank slate and you're not really tied to, you know, a lot of big time contracts. I mean, Washington has a lot of money. I mean, this may not be an attractive situation for a lot of head coaching candidates like the Bill Belichick's, the Mike Thomas, you know, assuming he will become available. But to guys like that, they're not going to look at a Washington situation and say, yeah, you know, I would love to join that. But for a general manager, they look at this like, man, I get to paint my own picture. You know, I get to go in here with a blank slate and do what I want to do with this roster. So, yeah, yeah, I don't think the roster is attractive at all to Adam Peters. I do think that question, he was trying to search for the right or the nice thing to say in that moment, you know, or, or the, you know, the most diplomatic thing in a sense. You know, there, there probably is a couple of cornerstone guys. I mean, we tried to name, you know, these guys on this podcast a yeah, couple of times. Many you can bring <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because remember the conversations we were having, we were talking about how much roster turnover do you have, you know? And I mean, I got to imagine there's going to be a lot of guys that just won't be here next year. I mean, maybe some favorites you know and um i'm with aj on the fact that i don't think anybody's safe on this roster man i, I mean anybody i know you know you might think of terry as the safest candidate now i do see terry as somebody that if he wants to be here he'll be here but guys like john allen you know deron Payne, you know cam curl who's a free agent i mean these are names that you know uh, probably won't be here next year i mean they could be here next year but there's a possibility they won't and it's very few guys you're going to look at on this roster and say, for sure, I know that guy will be back. I mean, I do, you know, like we, we probably can name about 10 guys maybe, but I mean, there's like 43 other guys, you know, out there. So, you know, you could be looking at a whole different situation next year. And I think Adam knows that going in. But again, I think that's one of those things that made the job attractive because he essentially gets to create and craft things in his own image kind of right away in a sense. Yeah. Um, if there's one more thing to add, I think that uh, – and I want to show y'all shared this in the group chat, but I'm reading this out loud for, like, the first time in a sense. But Rick Spielman, um, if you want to get an idea of, like, the work that he did since he came aboard, um, uh, Albert Breer – what's today? Today's the 16th. Uh, Albert Breer yesterday, I believe, uh, wrote in his latest edition of Monday Morning Quarterback the process that Spielman played in scouting the candidates for – uh, general manager and how uh, Adam Peters landed on the immediate uh, best five in a sense. Um, so I'll be quick with this one and we can move forward. But uh, quote unquote from uh, uh, Albert Breer and his latest edition of Monday Morning Quarterback, uh, the, the commander's process moved fast and really will start to turn it over a little through a little over three weeks ago when former Golden State Warriors Bob Myers, who'd gone to work for Harris Blitzer Sports and Entertainment, reached out to former Vikings GM Rick Spielman and asked whether he'd come to Miami to meet with new commander's owner Josh Harris. Spielman's been living on Florida's Gulf Coast and is in Fort Lauderdale every weekend for his work at CBS. That made things easy on everyone. Spielman got there over the weekend of week 16, and Harris told him that while no decision is made on Coach Ron Rivera or his front office, he wants to be ready to roll for it if the commanders did move on he invited Spielman to join Myers on his search committee. And as soon as possible, 
excuse me. And as soon as Spielman accepted, asked the old GM to start doing background work to find a head of football operations and head coach. Two weeks later, uh, the original list of 15 that Spielman worked off was whittled down to five. Three days after that is where we got the uh, the hiring of Adam Peters as the new head of football operations. Um, and then in order to do this, uh, or his process, Spielman's process, he sought advice from several former NFL executives to get their short list of candidates ready for Myers and Harris. Um, so that's essentially how he got things down. Um, he was on the phone from 7.30 a.m. to 11 p.m. checking every box of the five guys he identified. Um, and those came down to uh, Peters, uh, Kansas City's Mike Borgonzi, Cleveland's Glenn Cook, Chicago's Ann Cunningham, and Philadelphia's Alec Hallaby. Um, so for those who are trying to figure out uh, everything uh, that Spillman or even Bob Myers did, you kind of see the structure um, and how things were. It initially started with Bob Myers. I mean, Bob got Rick on board, and Rick did a ton of work for Josh Harris and that ownership group for the Washington Commanders. Um. All right, Dre. Uh, this weekend has been very interesting. Um, the highlights of my weekend was Dallas getting their ass whooped by the Green Bay Packers. I loved every second of that. Um, not only that, Green Bay covered and the overhead. So I was two stepping in my man's of uh, my man's living room, bro, taking shots to the hand dog. Um, so that was but, a bounce back day, right, Ma? Um, <laughs> it was no Saturday it, night. It could have been. It could have been, bro. Saturday night was so frustrating. You know the the the, the crazy the crazy thing about Saturday night, bro. Like y'all didn't y'all didn't know what I was going through before this, bro. Like, and it was it was so it was so slight. Like, not only did I lose the bread, but I also made a I made a we talked about this, but I made a um a no sweat play where I put so much money on the jump. Not realizing, and this is my fault, nobody else's fault, but not realizing that uh it was only up to ten dollars. I missed I completely missed that, bro. So not only did I make that bet, I couldn't get my money back that I thought I was gonna get back. So now <laughs> I lose the jump with the cheese jump. But before I before we headed out to the bar, bro, like I got my I got this shirt from Zara, this this t-shirt from Zara, a sweatshirt from Zara, and I love that jump, bro. Like I ain't even I only worn it one time since I copped that joint like two months ago. Uh and, and I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I'm about to wear this fit when we go to the bond shit. Bro, I put the joint on. I, I took it to the cleaners like a few days ago. So I never tried it on. I just I, I go to this cleaners all the time. Like, I don't think nothing of it. I put the joint on, bro. The sweater shrunk. Like <laughs> I, it's impossible for me to wear. I'm like, bro, I'm like, no, no trip. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go on. The internet, and I'm gonna buy another joint. I'm I'm mad because I gotta spend money, but I'm gonna buy another one, right? Ain't online. So now the joint that I copped in Vegas, I will probably only have to buy it in Vegas. So I'm like, Brad, well, this shit's out of luck. I can't get it. So then I go to the bar and the shoes that I got are from Zara too. So, like in my head, I'm like, when the drink spilled, I had a drink that spilled on my shoe. Not only that, Shorty, Shorty took Shorty took 20 minutes to bring me my drink. So I'm like, bro. You was blowing, bro. You was watching. You was watching the game, so and you knew what side I was on. So like, not only is all of these things like in my head right now, like I'm losing my bet. 
I can't even get my drink in time. Like she's taking her time to get my drink. And then I got my drink for two seconds. I ain't even finished the drink. The drink spilled all spilled directly on the shoe. And I'm like, bruh. Bro, you ain't say another word the rest of the night. <laughs> you was quiet and mad. I, I said was, that ball is mad, bro. Like, and I was, and I was like, I couldn't even, like, I didn't have time to like explain to you all everything that I was that I was going on. But I'm like, bro, like, imagine if these shoes ain't even online, bro. Like, I love right. these shoes, bro. And I just, I, I got liquor on the joint, bro. I ain't even finished my drink. Like, I'm not about to buy another one. Like, that's just dead. And then she she asked me when when she let she said I gave you your drink right, <laughs> wrong answer, wrong question, <laughs> wrong question. <laughs> so yes, uh, it was it was a bounce back day up until I I played uh who was the next game um after Cowboys. the D, after the Cowboys game that they won the night game it was the Detroit game no um Detroit, yep yeah so like. I, I had some money on Detroit too, and for a while they were covering, and then they couldn't score in the second half. So um, I had I the over in that game. I lost. I thought the over was going to hit easily in that joint because it, it was like forty nine, like and they had scored a lot in the first half. But the Detroit ain't do nothing in the second half, so yeah, I lost my it money. It seemed like it. Um. So yeah, that's that's kind of how things went. But anyway, uh, Green Bay whooped Dallas. Um, Philadelphia got whooped by Tampa Bay. Baker Mayfield put on a fucking show. Um, and then obviously we look in Houston and Bobby Slowick and, and uh D'Amico Ryan's handling the Cleveland Browns on their get back game uh after they lost just a month ago um to Cleveland uh by at least two scores. I don't remember exact score, but anyway, point being we've seen a few coaching candidates, head coaching candidates over the weekend. Um, what are some we can kind of generalize this conversation, but what are some things that that stood out to you from some of the coaching candidates. Uh, what I like from I liked a lot from Bobby Sloak and uh and even like seeing how impressive of a start the, the Detroit Lions got off to against Raheem Morris uh was was really good. But it's also crazy because that was a very good game. Um, because you you kind of see like the battle back and forth between coordinators. Raheem Morris, who's a candidate, bounced back in the second half and completely shut them boys down. I think they didn't even have over 100 yards, I believe, of total offense in the second half the Detroit Lions did. So um, seeing some of, some of these situations play out was, was pretty interesting. Look, I want to say this. I want to preface this by saying when it comes to coordinators, and, you know, I always forget this when it comes to the coaches' searches, but every time the coaches' search comes around and fans, you know, we get a list of the candidates, we tend to – say that these candidates are only as good as their last performance <laughs> or good at, yeah. well, only as good Reception as, as a motherfucker, man. you know yeah. yeah exactly so you know if ben johnson goes out there he likes it oh he's great ben johnson stinks it up oh, i don't want that guy's my head coach same with slow any of the guys name that's what you kind of you know a lot of fans are looking at that when they're watching these games like man they play horrible today i would never hire that guy i mean i think that's the wrong way to look at it but you do notice some things i think you have to look at their whole body of work and for me going into this whole process i never had a favorites list like you know people were asking me since november who do you want to replace ron rivera i was like look i haven't even gotten that far yet because i want to see who we hire as a general manager so now i can actually start delving deeper into these guys i mean sure i'm going to watch the playoff games you know i'm going to look at that but i'm not going to try to base my whole assessment on 
what they do or what they don't do in this one or, you know, this sudden death playoff game. But for me, I mean, Sloak is real impressive, man. Um, it's a lot of things working for him. I love that he comes from the Shanahan coaching tree. I mean, you know, any any one of those guys that usually come from that tree, I mean, they, they've they had some kind of success in the league. Um, looking at what he's done with the first year, C.J. Stroud, I mean, it, it's, it's been amazing to watch that. I mean, you can't attribute all of his uh, or Stroud's success to slow it, but you love to see a coordinator that has experience in, you know, kind of developing or, you know, calling plays for a first-year starter, especially one with that success. Yeah, what you got? Yeah, I was going to say, let's stop at Sloak for a second. I want you to keep yeah. going after that, but Sloak. Uh, you made a uh, you made a really good point. Like my thing when I think about how people talk about certain coaches, especially from people who are outside of the market, which is going to be a good like we're going to get these. I don't want to like over exert our energy because like in, in a sense of like the head coach search, we're probably going to find answers real soon. So we'll probably get an idea of like who we can on the chopper dive, who we can talk to um, or who is worth talking to in that sense. Right. Um, maybe we just do Detroit and, and Houston. And, and go from there. But anyway, point being, you mentioned um, the the CJ Shroud thing. Like CJ Shroud was the number two overall pick, and like I, I think the the dangers of giving too much credit to a, a person, right? And I'll give a, an example, but we're on Slowick right now. Uh, the the example is like I remember seeing somebody on Twitter when I asked the question about like when when the report came out that Ben Johnson may be like a a favorite. Uh, I asked like how do they feel about that Peters Johnson. Adam Peters, Ben Johnson's uh, duo, um, and somebody said how uh, uh, Ben Johnson was able to get maximize the most out of Jared Goff, and I'm like, like Jared Goff just needed the right system. Like he showed what he did in in LA. It wasn't enough, but like he showed he can play at a very high level, and he's doing that in Detroit. And for that standpoint, like and 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 Jared Goff was like the number two overall pick or something like that. So when you number look one. at Number one. So when you look at CJ Stroud, like you're talking about a number two overall pick and you got to be very careful when you look at these things. Now, granted, in Washington, you have the number two overall pick. You're going to be able to have a, a very, very, very high influence in terms of decision making. If you're a Bobby Slowick on who you would want to coach if you're with Adam Peters. Right. Um, in terms of that number two overall pick. But it's very important to acknowledge like CJ Stroud was a dog of his own. And if you if you're impressed with what they do offensively, like the scheme is one thing, but the players around them in that leadership mentality, that leadership trait, like those qualities, bro. Like, I don't know how many you you'll see in like a CJ Stroud, uh, but your thoughts on slow it and, and you can keep going as well. Yeah, no, I mean, like I said, I mean, he, he will be one of my favorite candidates in the process just because of, you know, you're looking at the overall body of work again, like, like and like you just said, like I said earlier, you can't attribute all of CJ Stroud's success to slow it, but you like how they're working in tandem. And that's an important thing because we've seen guys, young guys come in with all the talent in the world, but sometimes you wonder about the guy that they're working with. Is he putting them in the right situations? Is he putting them in the best situations to succeed? But slow hasn't had any of those questions. He hasn't had any of those issues with CJ Stroud and particularly you know regarding the commander situation we're going to be drafted number two in the draft same thing as the Texans did last year we're most likely going to be drafting a quarterback same situation as the Texans last year so he will be walking into a very familiar situation for himself except he will be on obviously on an elevated level so I mean that's one of the things for me I'm looking at I mean obviously you know the playoff game it just kind of showed even further you know why this guy is a top candidate and then there's the Ben Johnsons. I mean, I'm still kind of skeptical of how I feel about Ben Johnson um, overall. I mean, 
I don't have a super big opinion on him, but what I do hope in this process, you know, we've been seeing the reports that he's the favorite to land a job. I really hope that's not the case off of, you know, we just like him because of whatever. I don't know because they haven't even interviewed him or anything yet. So I don't know what they're basing him being the favorite off of. I mean, sure, there may be some kind of connections that we don't know about, but I want this process to be more thorough, you know, as far as we're actually interviewing these guys and we're actually getting everybody to listen to them and we're coming to a consensus on a guy. I don't want it to just be, oh, Ben Johnson's the favorite to land a job, but we're just going to kind of put on a dog and pony show with the rest of the candidates as far as interviews. Like, I hope the process is actually thorough. That being said, I don't mind Ben Johnson. Like, I mean, he has done some really good things with uh, Detroit. He also comes from a coaching staff that's probably going to generate lots of coaches. Like, Dan Campbell is probably going to be that next star coach in the NFL. And he has so a he, ton of player coaches on his staff. Yes, like. yes, yes. So that that's the thing. I mean, you you know, I'm, I'm looking at that when I'm looking at the candidates. Are they coming from a strong coaching tree? You know, um, because – when we're looking at off guys who are coordinators who've never been coaches before, we don't know how they're going to lead men. We don't know how they're going to lead a locker room. We know they can dial up an offense. We know they can dial up a defense. But can they lead 53 men consistently? Like, are, are they going to get their message across? Can they be received? You know, that's the type of stuff we're looking for. So you kind of look at those coaching trees like the Dan Campbells, you know, even going to the Shanahan's. Like, you love those type of trees because you know these guys are bringing in guys. And, and this is a point. You know, um, I forget who said this. This was a while ago, but they said Mike Shanahan, he would bring in coaches. He was one of the few coaches that wasn't scared to bring in guys that could challenge him. A lot of coaches like they're bringing guys that are never a threat to them. You know, maybe a, a guy that can eventually replace them. You know, you, you, you like to see guys come from that staff. Like if Shanahan and them want to bring in guys that feel, they feel like can challenge them, then you must think that those guys can coach their asses off at some point. So that's why I look at kind of the trees more so than, you know, the last game that they played or the last two games that they coached. I'm looking at the backgrounds they come from because that may, they, that may show you how their ability to lead translates to the next level. Have you um heard Ben Johnson speak at all? Like, no, have I have you... not. Okay, so I'm I'm gonna send you. I'm gonna put it in the chat too, since everybody we have a we have a bunch of people in here. And and while we do that, if you haven't done so already, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. Um, if you're on the Twitter or Twitch side, man, try to migrate over if you can over to that YouTube side, man. And oh Lord, I I didn't. Good Lord. <laughs> Hold on, let's try this. Send it this way because it's on YouTube. All right. So I'll send this in the chat and then I'll DM this to us, uh, Dre. Um, but shout out to Brussels, um, who who sent this our way or sent this my way. Um, where I found it really. But point being with Peters in 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 Johnson, right? Um, I hate saying their last name like that is a terrible combination. Um, but Peter and Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> hey, bro. Um, but but like when you hear. Ben Johnson speak. Please look at that, everybody. If you haven't done so already, look at that YouTube link. Um, it's right here. Uh, but when you when you take a look at that, uh, this was an interview or his pressure in June of last year, and he's talking about himself, uh, his growth as a as a coach, his growth as a leader, um, even acknowledging what I uh, being self-aware of like his habits. He mentioned how he was uh, a coach who could have been, who, who was micromanaging 
uh, way too much. He found himself micromanaging, but but he he saw uh, the growth in his staff in, in the sense of like he was able to trust them and that everybody was on the same page. So it became less of a micromanaging in, in, in offensive meetings and it became more of like player meetings or individual meetings from from the offensive side of things. And uh, like he was able to speak to players growth specifically about like what they wanted out of themselves, but also like from a coach standpoint, how he recognized this person uh, really wants to be better. Um, and he identified those things. He identified even in the run game, Dre, I'm going to say this. I'm going to ask you this question before I even say it, because I'm sure you have an answer. Um, what is or, or you have an answer that it tailors what I'm about to say. What do you think about the Detroit Lions run game? Uh, like there is no right or wrong from your perspective. What do you think about it generally when you watch them uh, and, and things like that? Well, I mean, I like the way that they use their backs. I mean, earlier in the season, you know, I was watching them because I had Jameer Gibbs on my fantasy team. So I was like, man, why aren't they using Jameer Gibbs more? And then you see David Montgomery and he's balling out. I mean, I think David Montgomery has probably played better here than he ever played in Chicago. Like, I mean, the way that I do actually like the way they use the run game. I think it's smart. And I think it's something that Jared Goff actually leans on a lot. What you need with a quarterback like Jared Goff. I mean, not to say that Jared Goff can't go out there and sling it 60 times a game, but that running game really helps them do what they do with Jared Goff. So, I mean, I really love the way that they use their backs. All right. So to add to that, right. Um, one of the things that he mentioned in this pressure uh, was the fact that he thought last year they left a lot of meat on the bone in terms of the run game. Like he felt like some of those three or four yard gains that they had in Detroit, uh, there were explosive ways, explosives waiting to happen and they just missed the opportunity. So he spent time in that offseason trying to find ways to become more explosive. And you mentioned your opinion on Jameer and David Montgomery, both of those guys, nearly a thousand yards a piece, bro. And this is exactly what we're seeing. If you revisit in past time, somebody who's very aware of how this run game can be much better for his offense, bro. Adjusting. So, exactly, and, and just and just and just self correcting and, and course correcting and things like that. And, and the reason why I bring this up and why I think it's important, uh, Adam Peters in his presser said, "What do you? What are the important factors of hiring a head coach?" Right. He said, I think in any head coach and any leader, it is leadership, leadership, great communication, uh, great communication, being able to be honest, direct and upfront, having all of those qualities. And they're all intertwined. Everything that I just said to you was uh, a leadership. It was him communicating well and it was him being honest about his players. I'm not saying this is the actual candidate. I'm just saying this is like because if you never heard him speak, which I haven't, this is the first interview I, or pressure I heard from him. Like this is somebody who has been able to literally in one pressure before the season even started, tell you what he wanted out of his offense, what he thought, uh, what he recognized to be himself in, in terms of uh, a micromanager and, 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 and why he was doing that, but also why he's backed off of being a micromanager. Uh, and then even identifying players and what they want and how great they want to be and, and things like that to that nature. So from that standpoint of Ben Johnson, I think it's very interesting, but also uh, if you haven't seen that, that I put in the chat for everybody, uh, take a look at that, man. It's it's, it's at least um, something worth watching to understand how he thinks. Um, and I'm going to look at it a little bit more. So shout out to uh, Brussels. I see you in here as well. Um, shout out to Brussels for even putting that on Twitter. So I'm going to tap into some more Ben Johnson clips and, and buy, now, buy, Ma, a dude, byproduct I'm looking to buy. I'm about to say, Ma, Ma sold the hell out of that. He sold that, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just being honest, bro. Like, that's, that's literally – 
<laughs> like what Peter said is is literally it's the timing is incredible for me to find it or to 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 see it on on the timeline. Like he he literally did exactly what Peters is looking for. It's not about offensive or defensive, and that's why I brought it up. Like it's about leadership, bro. And like that's a that's the makings of a leader. But do you feel like I I haven't listened to the clip or or whole video at all? But I can tell you just from my naked eye, I've been disappointed in how uh, Jameer Gibbs was underutilized in the season overall. Like, I felt like a lot of the carries should have went to him more. Yeah, David Montgomery is a solid back. But if I'm not mistaken, David Montgomery's on a one-year deal. Um, but, like, from everything that you just broke down while I was backstage and back on stage, um, do you feel like he met those goals that he set out and told everyone in the media before the season kicked off. He had, like do you do you feel he, like do you feel like the Lions offense is like super explosive? I, I think they rank number three overall, but do you feel like they're truly explosive in comparison to like Miami, for example? Yeah, I mean this. There, I mean you're talking about two explosive offenses. I I, I don't think that they have uh, 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 Detroit. I don't think that they have any. Tariq Hill or Jalen Waddle on their team, and that kind of that stands out. But they have a, but they have <laughs> a, they have think, exactly. Think, but hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. But they do, hold on. But they do have, but they do have Sam Laporta. They do have David Montgomery. They do have Jameer Gibbs, and they do have Amarase Brown. Those are two different styles. Those those are different styles of players on their offense. And you're talking about an offense who is number five in the NFL in terms of rushing yards, and you're talking about uh, David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs who have. 235 touches respectively in David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs 234 and Jameer Gibbs has 1200 yards 1200 yards from scrimmage David Montgomery has 1100 yards from scrimmage I can look at the Miami Dolphins and I can say that they probably don't come close in terms of the actual uh comparison statistics between uh uh Mostert and 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 A-Chain uh and then on top of that you have 24 touchdowns between Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery so when I think about usage um, the, there can be an opinion about them being underutilized. I can also say that I saw it. I, I remember you saying that from their first game. So like, I don't know, like in, in, in Jameer Gibbs, I do acknowledge he, he didn't get that many. That was actually very weird and, and actually impressive that they won that game against the Kansas city chiefs. Um, but at the same time, I think as the, as the season went along, you saw how they were able to manage, uh, David and, and Jameer in terms of like splitting carries. Uh, and and I don't even know how this got here because I was actually just trying to I was actually just pointing out the fact that this was a leadership conversation. Um, but I am uh, I, I, I am I think to Jerry's point, he mentioned uh, he wasn't like he's concerned about like the first half compared to second half thing with with Detroit. Um, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that's not a concern. I, I just think that uh, there's always going to be context. You're talking about Raheem Morris. Uh, Dre, we talked about this. Like Raheem Moore is on the other side of the football. Like he he's going to have answers for you too. Um, and and I think if you're talking about somebody who's qualified to be a head coach, you're talking about two head coaching candidates battling each other. Like that's that's an important part of the conversation too. So um, I hope that answers your question. I think that they use he used Detroit used both their running backs exactly how they wanted to. Yeah, I mean, I just I just asked that because. When you take a Jameer Gibbs top 20 pick, right? For example, last year, Jamal Williams, who's now with the Saints, he had like 18, 18 rushing touchdowns. 
And I, I want to say probably Swift had about maybe five or six. So I'm just wondering, like, I don't have all the numbers in front of me if the rushing game was that much more increasingly better with the subtraction of two of those running backs in Swift and Williams and now the addition of Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs. Oh, good, Dre, if you had thoughts. Oh, but, oh sorry, pause for a second. De- Devon Anshain, A-Chain, and Raheem Mostert. Mostert had 1,100 yards from scrimmage. A-Chain had 997. Um, Raheem Mostert had a crazy-ass season with 21 touchdowns. Um, and then A-Chain had 11. So those are those are your side-by-side stats. But go ahead, Dre. Yeah, I was, gonna, I was just going to say to this, I mean – I, I was with AJ as far as earlier in the season. I did feel like they could have got Jameer Gibbs more utilized, especially in the passing game. I thought he would be more of that because that's what he was at Alabama. I mean, the dude was a hell of a receiving threat out of the backfield. I mean, he was almost like a Camara for the Saints. I mean, that's who he kind of reminded me of. But, I mean, as far as the, how the season went, it's hard to complain when you look back on it. Like you said, the third-ranked offense in the league, and both running backs were highly successful. Like, they found a way to kind of incorporate – all of those guys, and not even just those guys. I mean, as you mentioned, Ma, I mean, you got, they got the Amasa, Ross A. Brown. I mean, the uh, the, the nice tight end, uh, LaPorter. You know, that's a lot of talent. That's a lot of mouths to feed on the offense. And they found a way to kind of get all make or get all of those guys that have a household name at this point in the NFL. I mean, and this is this is largely a reason why they are what they are. And I know you mentioned Miami's offense, AJ. Miami's offense to me. Yes, it's explosive as hell because you got Tariq Hill, one of the biggest burners in the NFL. No one can match with his speed. But in when they played big games against big teams, I thought the offense folded a lot. Miami's offense, that is. You know, I think Detroit's offense is more consistent in the matter of they're tough to stop every drive. I mean, they might not hit you with the explosive plays every drive, but they are a team that's going to chump yard you to death and they're going to get down the field. So it's like holding them to a field goal to usually stopping them at some point feels like a real big success because they're usually able to move the ball at will. I mean, that's just the type of offense they, they're running. Like, I mean, we played against them last year before they even had that name last year. And, man, that offense was tough as hell to stop last year. They didn't have Jameer Gibbs last year. <laughs> they didn't have David Montgomery last year either. But it just goes to show you that um, I do think Ben Johnson knows what he's doing. I mean, I just kind of go back to, like I said, um, I hope he isn't the odds on favorite without anybody having interviewed yet. Like, I want this to be a really thorough process. And, again, I would not be mad to, uh, getting Ben Johnson. I mean, Ben Johnson, like I said, he's a legitimate candidate at this point. <laughs> like, but I just want the fair process. Okay. Um, all right. So we went through Ben. We went through uh Slowick. Um, where are we at? Raheem. Uh, do we have any thoughts on well let's let's because we did two positives. Um, let's talk about Dan, Dan Quinn. Um now there was important like people mentioned this, and I, I agree. Um, reluctantly, I agree, but I agree. Um, yeah, you you can't judge like coaches on their last impression whether i it's, it always helps if they're really good in their like the last impression that they leave um but if it's really bad like that the moment that led up to them being a candidate doesn't stop uh at at that moment but i do have like general questions in terms of team building when you think about certain players like was dan quinn playing a pivotal role in how he views his second level, right? Like their linebacker or their second level is very undersized. Um, and if you can get to that second level 
uh, consistently in the run game, like you can take over a game against Dallas's defense. Um, and like that's kind of where I think about like philosophically where is she at as a head coach. And that's the one thing where I would say um, if there was a conversation about Dan Quinn, it shouldn't be about like the fact that they couldn't stop the Green Bay Packers for six out of their last seven drives, which is alarming, in my opinion. But also, but I mean, but more importantly, what's his philosophy? Um, does he like is is what they did in Dallas making the best out of the situation? Or is this something where he's like, I want my defenses to look like that? Um, and, and that's kind of where it's like, I don't know if that's sustainable in in January at all. Well, see, but a guy like Dan Quinmall, um, we actually already know what he looks like as a head coach because he's already coached the Atlanta Falcons. But I mean, he um with with the Cowboys, I thought the defense was oppressive all season. And you're right, you do have to kind of take those things into consideration, especially how they ended with the Packers. Like you wonder, is there a leadership issue in a sense in a big game? Like, why didn't his players respond to him in this certain moment? I mean, that's a totally valid question. And not even just that game. You can go back to the Atlanta Falcons when he coached in a Super Bowl, how they lost that game to the New England Patriots, where they allowed a 28 to 3 comeback. Like, how how does these things happen? Like yeah. these embarrassing moments, you know, in a sense. That's a very valid question. You know, but I I just wonder if you know the body of work, what he did all season, if that's gonna outweigh the those last little critical moments. Like for me personally, I mean, I kind of feel him as a retread. Like I, I think he's he's the quintessential retread option or example of a retread, you know, versus um, someone else. But I, I, I don't know if I, I'm holding it too much against them, what happened against Green Bay. Like I said, I'm more about the whole body of work, but I, I just, you know, for me, I can go back and look at his Atlanta Falcons tenure, and that probably makes me put a little bit more pause on it than anything he probably did all year with Dallas. Yeah, I think when it comes to Dan Quinn, like, or, or any coach, for example, like, um, as just focusing on, on Ben Johnson, if he goes and has a stinker, you know, this weekend, can't really hold that against him. You got to look at the full body of work. And what Dan Quinn has been doing since being the D.C. in Dallas, he's been doing an amazing damn job. Um, also working with one of the best pass rushers that we've ever seen in NFL history. But, you know, I think my issue with Dan Quinn is the military approach. Uh, so a lot of the things that they were doing in Atlanta was heavily military focused. I want to stay as far as possible away from any type of military approach or resemblance to Ron Rivera. <laughs> like that's 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 my whole thing with Dan Quinn. I think what you did see in his tenureship uh towards the end after he lost Kyle Shanahan was uh going through an issue trying to find that next person to replace uh Kyle Shanahan from the play caller standpoint. Uh Steve Sarkeesian, who's now the coach of the Texas uh Longhorns, was was over there uh as the OC. And then even when uh, Raheem was actually on that staff too, working on the defensive side of the ball and then moved over to the offensive side. And when Dan Quinn actually got fired, Raheem stepped in as the interim head coach. Um, so there's a lot of connections where you could see Adam Peters being interested in Dan Quinn. Uh, for me, I just don't think he would be the right fit for this particular job. I think that Dan Quinn could make Hayway elsewhere and do his thing and rock out. I just don't believe that 
it would be a good fit in Washington. But, you know, maybe his old stomping grounds where he was able to establish um, LOB, Legion of Boom, in Seattle, that might be something uh, that could work for him or even the Tennessee Titans. Well, see, AJ, I was going to actually ask you real quick on the whole military question. I mean, I do agree he's probably a better fit at Seattle where he originated. But does the military thing factor much for you if the guy isn't making like or he doesn't have total control? Because, you know, obviously with Ron, it was an issue because he had total control from the front office on down, whereas Dan Quinn would only have control of the players on this roster. Yeah, I mean, I I still believe that the head coach still has a voice in how they set up everything. So, like, some of the things that they were doing in Atlanta was similar to, like, actually going through military boot camps. Like, (laughs) that's that's how it was established with the Falcons. You feel me? A lot of it got masked because they were winning. They did end up getting to a Super Bowl during his tenureship. But, you know, once Kyle Shanahan kind of moved out the fold from an offensive standpoint – all of that came to a head and no longer did he really have the pulse of the team. And that led to him being fired. Um, yeah. For, for me, I just don't know if that approach really works anymore. Uh, 2024. Yeah. We're in 2024. I think a guy like the enemy's approach could still work, but a guy that's full on and, and really buying in to the military concept and I- ideology and running the show is a bit different than what he's doing right now in Dallas. Like, he he has to fall back and, and find his place just as D.C. and not the H.C. So, you know, it's still Mike McCarthy's show. Maybe he's learned some things along the way because that's what you hope, you know, when you do get fired and you do get that second opportunity that you learn some things and you just uh, – when you do get that, that next opportunity, I think last week we seen a lot of those coaches um, celebrate it and they all got second opportunities, whether it be a Pete Carroll, you know, formerly of the Jets, and and, and then getting the Seahawks job, a uh, Nick Saban, uh, whether it be LSU, Cleveland back in the day, Miami Dolphins, Bill, Bill and, Belichick, and Bill, yeah, <laughs> Bill Belichick as well. So there's nothing wrong with with retreads. Is what have you learned, um, you know, from your past mistakes, and and that's where I felt like with Ron Rivera, he didn't even get a moment to sit back and relax. And, and figure out what he did learn from his failures. He just got an opportunity and jumped right back into it. But you can even see the difference in, like, take Mike McCarthy, Dallas. Like, he's different in his approach than he used to be with the Green Bay Packers. So I think that's one of the main questions I would ask if I was in, you know, a meeting with one of the guys that might be getting their second opportunity, such as a Dan Quinn. Like, what what have you learned? What is your plan at OC? Like, what is the plan if that person gets hired, you know? How do you end up replacing that person with, you know, maybe having the right quarterbacks coach or uh, wide receivers coach on on, on deck? So the last guy, um, Dan Quinn, by the way, for those who don't know, scheduled for an interview this Thursday, um, the 18th, and Ben Johnson scheduled for uh, an interview Friday the 19th. Um, Raheem Morris is the last one who he also is scheduled for an interview this week. Uh, as far as I know, no date confirmed. Um, maybe y'all know, but scheduled for an interview this week. Um, last one is Raheem Morris of, of the guys that we saw this week. Uh, where are we at with him? Um, I didn't realize when I was watching that game, their interior tackle, who's a rookie, bro, has like eight, or interior lineman, defensive lineman, has like eight sacks, bro. And like 
we I think we known from watching Deron Payne play last year. Um, that many amount of sacks, even talking about seven or more, like that's an insane number to get. And for him to get that as a rookie, bro, is impressive from a player standpoint. But it's also interesting to see how Raheem Morris, with so many rookie and younger guys on his on his roster after uh you know a mass exodus of veterans since they won that Super Bowl, only leaving really um mainly uh Aaron Donald. Uh, how that the defense was like it wasn't a top 10 defense, but it was good enough uh, for that offense and, and good enough for them to win, I think, like six or seven out of their last eight or something like that. I actually want to say seven straight games um, to end the season and got them into the playoffs uh, after what a three and six start, I believe, um, and dealing with some injuries at quarterback before Stafford came back. Um, but but that defense stepped up big time and, and Raheem Morris was a, a big contributor to that. Uh, what do we think about Raheem and? Uh, I guess while we wait for the head coaching decisions. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, what you what you just pinpoint uh, is Kobe Turner, um, third round pick. They ended up, you know, finishing off the season with eight sacks as a rookie, and then they got another guy on their defensive rookie, uh, another third round pick, Byron Young, who I think finished with either eight or nine sacks as well. So with Raheem, he's not coming in trying to be like a defensive juggernaut I think if he were to come in or and get any job anywhere he wouldn't even want to call per se the defensive play caller he'd probably try to hire uh Ajero from the Panthers who's been uh mentioned as a name for for a couple jobs out there too uh they're all from the same family tree I guess you could say of coaches um, but yeah, I mean, I think Raheem, he's going to be able to put guys in the best position to win, uh, listen to them, uh, play to their strengths and ultimately just be a leader. Um, I think you could see some of the struggles with, with the, the Rams defense in that first half against the Lions. Um, a lot of those guys are young. They're in their first or second year of playing in the league. Uh, the veteran presence is, is Aaron Donald, but everybody else, like I said, is a first or second year player, and he still was able to make shit shake with them. In the second half, he completely shut down Ben Johnson's offense uh, to three points. So I think that counts for something, but just the overall job that he did the entire season uh, with the Rams defense where, you know, even me and, and you know, yourself, Maul and Dre, us being avid football guys, we could barely name anybody on that damn on that damn roster uh, defensively for the Rams, besides Aaron Donald. Uh, I think that speaks volumes, especially when you're coming into a situation like Washington where you're going to have to rely on a lot of your youth to to take up these reps. Look, One quick thing just to uh, say, according to Ben Standick, timing is perfect. Uh, just got reported. Uh, Raheem Morris is scheduled to interview same day as Dan Quinn, so Thursday is where, is where Raheem will uh, interview. Uh, but go ahead, Dre. Cool. No, uh, for Raheem Morris, honestly, he's probably my favorite of the retread uh, candidates. And that's because um, when, he, when he first became a head coach for Tampa Bay, I think he was one of the youngest uh, head coaches in NFL history. I think he was 33 when he first started out with Tampa Bay. I mean, he didn't last long. The tenure didn't end up being good. But I mean, he was young and it's hard to kind of be that young in that era as well. He didn't come in, you know, later in when it was kind of, you know, like the Sean McVay thing where he can come in, 
have a passing game no one's seen. But anyway, Raheem Moore started young, had a not so successful three years, but it's what he did after that. I mean, he went a ton of different places. He even ended up in Washington under the Mike Shanahan staff. He was a defensive backs coach here. But then he went to the Falcons and something really interesting. I mean, everyone knows Raheem Morris as a defensive guy, but he went to the Falcons and he was their associate head coach. He was their passing game coordinator. He was their wide receivers coach. Then he went back to the defensive side and he was the defensive coordinator. So he he's done a lot of different things since he's left uh, Tampa Bay as the head coach. So he's got a lot of different experience in a lot of different areas. And I also think he's kind of a natural leader as well. I mean, it was probably kind of hard to grasp that fully at the age he was when he started out as a coach. But you got to look at the stops he's been at, the coaches he's been under. I mean, it's been pretty impressive to look at, you know, the list of things. But like I said, the versatility is what impresses me about Raheem. Like he's not going to be a guy that's going to come in and be like, well, I only know the defense. I'm only going to be focused on this. No, he is experienced coaching on both sides of the ball. And I think that'll go a long way. And you see he has success usually with his units. Whatever units he's coaching, they usually have some sort of success. And that's why you see his name is the hot candidate again. And he's not even 50 years old yet. He's still in his 40s. Like So Raheem has a lot of good years ahead of him, which is why he would be my favorite if you wanted to go the retread uh, route again. Yeah, um, I guess to close it out, I, I think Raheem is is probably uh, more intriguing than than Dan um, Dan Quinn. Uh, I am interested to seeing like how they stack up in in Peter's mind um, in terms. Well, Peter's and the Harris group. Um, I would love to see like how they would rank their candidates. Um, I think Raheem, to your point, Dre is is interesting. Like when you when you have that that youth experience, um, you know you get to learn a lot, especially when you move around as often as you do. Like I think about comparison standpoint, uh, what's that dude name? Um, he got fired in, in Vegas this year. Um, Josh McDaniels, um, Josh McDaniels, when he got, when, when he got let go from Denver, he just went back to New England. <laughs> he didn't, he didn't think about going elsewhere. Like he went, he went to what he knew. And for Raheem to be well-traveled from that standpoint and just understanding, like, there's other opportunities out here and maneuvering and, and just learning different cultures, organizations, but also, like, seeing new faces and, and, and maybe even – because he was never a head – clearly, he was never a head coach since he moved on from uh, his his, oppor- his first opportunity. But he gets to see how different coaches move. He gets to see how different organizations operate. Um, but also, all within that, like, you have to adapt. And being able to adapt to different situations and understanding what's best for like your group of guys, like that's just as important. And the reason why I bring up Josh McDaniels, like they're in similar circumstances, right? Because they were both young when they got their their first opportunity. But it's not about like the result being the same. It's like, how did you handle it after you got let go from your first job? And those are the differences. Uh Josh McDaniels went back to his to his 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 old same old shit in new england uh and and raheem morris said i'm gonna keep on building and, and developing and, and i'm gonna get ready for my next opportunity you say he's how old he's in his 40s right uh raheem 47 47 got a got a got a young little wife too <laughs> hey 40 47 bro with plenty of opportunity in front of you bro and i think those are the differences from from how you handle your mistakes what do you do do you resort back to what you know, or do you challenge yourself to grow? And I think that's the difference between McDaniels and Raheem Moore. It's not saying that McDaniels didn't grow, but it's like you only know what you knew. 
And and that's what got you in trouble in Vegas again. So I, I would I would definitely think that for me, Raheem Morris is the the favorite in terms of the retrade options. Yeah, and I also think um, over the weekend it was very interesting because you really you rarely see this before the Rams even played their game on what was it Saturday night or Sunday night. The Rams played Sunday night. Yeah, before they played their game, the the Rams uh, COO Kevin uh, Kevin Demoff was like going hard on his Twitter profile, like speaking in, in favoritism of Raheem Morris. Like, this is the greatest leader you'll ever meet. Like, we all vouch for him in this room. Sean McVay has publicly. Kyle Shanahan has. John Lynch has. Uh, Jalen Ramsey, Bobby Wagner, Andrew Whitworth, uh, Aaron Donald, all these different guys. You know, we stand, we stand behind him. And I think that's one thing that works in – Raheem's favor is Adam Peters is the GM, so he knows a lot about uh, Raheem Morris. And on top of that, whoever Raheem was, whoever he brings on the staff is kind of going to replicate that 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 feel that everyone's been trying to get as well. The San Francisco and, and the Rams tree is going to be a mixture of Kyle Shanahan's guys and Sean McVay guys. So that could be like a Clint Kubiak who is – who who could be an OC getting you know his name out there uh, for head coaching opportunities? Like I said, a Jero who's been uh, who called the defense for the Panthers this year, uh, been a top guy out there. Even a Thomas Brown, you know, some people might be against him uh, due to how things went in Carolina, but he's still one of those young top guys that you know didn't really get to call the shots OC wise in Carolina as uh, we all thought he would and as he envisioned. But I think his his staff that he could put in front of any uh, organization will replicate exactly what they've been trying to 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 bite off of, which is the Kyle Shanahan and McVay uh, tree of coaches. Hey, uh, what's today? Tuesday. Okay, Uh, so we kind of have an idea of who the candidates may be. Um, Peters is getting to work. We I think I think for for us this is a good lengthy conversation and that we can call it quits right now i appreciate everybody who's tapped in live on the youtube side again make sure you hit that like button that hit that subscribe button um the fellas we're gonna play this by ear as always given that this is fluctuating we may have to do a breaking news whatever them jones emergency podcast uh, we, we may do that i don't know um otherwise we'll see each other next tuesday um or maybe even tap in on the weekend uh if we if we hear some type of updates What's up? Who y'all got? Who y'all got winning the games this weekend? Oh Lord, I think Buffalo finally finna do it, bro. They finally finna beat Kansas City. I think so. Um, I think Baltimore may be in for a struggle their first game. Um, I don't think that they're gonna lose, but I think that uh, as strong as they've been throughout the season, in some in some moments they had some letdowns, uh, like defensively, which is surprising. So I think that. Houston will find a way to keep it close, especially after they got smoked the first game. Uh, but Baltimore wins. I think Buffalo wins. Um, I think San Fran wins. Uh, and who's the other game? Detroit and Tampa Bay. That's actually going to be tough in my opinion. I ain't going to lie to you. Um, uh, just the matchup-wise, I, I don't think that Tampa Bay – I mean, I don't think Detroit's secondary is, is that good, and, and they've been showing it all season long. So I, I honestly think that was a toss-up. I was thinking about that too, Ma, but I'm going with all the home teams. I got all the home teams winning, and I'm going to even take it a step farther. 
I got the Bills being the dark horse uh, Super Bowl candidate out of the AFC. I know everyone has already written Baltimore in there, but I've been saying for some weeks now because Buffalo's been playing some really good ball yeah, down the stretch. They've been locked in for a minute. I think Buffalo can get Baltimore next week if they. I mean, obviously they got to get past the Chiefs first, but they are my dark horse AFC Super Bowl candidate. So yeah, I I oh, see Baltimore and, and Buffalo playing each other in that conference title game. I see that. Yeah, I, I definitely see Buffalo losing this weekend. Uh, <laughs> I just think you know it's Mahomes' first road road game in the playoffs. I think he has those boys locked in, and defensively, I think uh, they'll they'll come through. Uh, I definitely got Baltimore beating Houston. Um, the other matchup is who Packers and Packers and Niners. Packers and Niners, yeah, Niners got that. <laughs> now, in regards to the Lions and Bucks game. It's going to be a hell of a matchup between Ty Bowles and Ben Johnson. I'm excited to see that. I haven't made my decision yet, but I'll I'll have one. I'll have one by Sunday. They play Sunday, right? Uh, yeah. I think they play Sunday. Yeah. yeah I'll I'll have, it's no, no, no. So I think the if I'm not mistaken, I have it right here. Yeah, actually, the Chiefs and Bills play Sunday. Packers and 49ers on Saturday. So that's those are the two night games on the weekend. So the okay. Bucks and Lions play Sunday, three o'clock. Sunday, okay, yeah. Like, I just I I'm looking forward to just good football, bro. Like, I think we we had some good games minus the the Cowboys and, and Packers game, but <laughs> I, I'm I'm interested in these matchups, man. Yeah, I like Texas seeing, game. <laughs> yeah, I like I like seeing the offensive minded coaches going against like these top defensive minded yeah. coaches. I, I love how Ty Bowles calls his defense. Them boys are are firing. And like you said, Dre, I don't know about Detroit secondary, bro. The way the way Baker Mayfield had time and they got weapons like the, the Trey Palmer kid, Chris Godwin and, and Mike Evans, they missed some shots against Philly. Like it's definitely gonna be there for, for them against Detroit. Mm-hmm. And one I, one last thing for me. Um, we didn't actually talk about this guy, but another candidate is going to be in play, Mike McDonald in the Ravens defense. You'll get to see yes. him this weekend. So we didn't talk about him, but, I mean, we already – if I've heard correctly, I think we've already interviewed him and yes. uh, Anthony Weaver. So, yeah, that's yeah. the article from Sports Illustrated said that uh, they interviewed uh, McDonald and uh, Weaver already. Yeah, yeah. Boom. There it is. Um, fellas, Dre, AJ, man. Um, we're gonna have to do the we're gonna have to have a mulligan um on the weekend, bruh. Uh no more, no more of them clubs, bruh. Like we don't gotta do the hoop and watch the game, bro. We go to bruh. we go to a, we go to a sports bar, bro. Man, AJ shit, went viral on us. Went that viral, bro. That shit was crazy, bro. Like and then and then to top it off, get back to the whip and that joint got told. Like that that just I was just like, nah, bruh. This That's an expensive be- ass weekend, bro. And you, and then the way you play, I respect you. Like for the way you like, it's all good. Like that to have that level of patience, bro. I I need that. Lord, Lord, bless me with with the patience that AJ. I, got, hey, Maul, I think AJ missed when we was talking about how angry you were. Oh yeah, he missed every part. I, I broke down what happened, man. Um, it was it was some things that happened before that, and the last basically the last straw was was the drinks <laughs> spilling on my shoe, bro. That was it. <laughs> That was it. I was like, "Yeah, I don't need no more drinks. I'm, I'm, I'm losing. I'm losing money." I'm, that I'm man ain't say a word. Rest of the night, he was done. <laughs> man, like, I, I, I will say, like, 
that's my gift and my curse. I'm patient as hell, bro. I don't really be tripping about nothing. Oh, yeah, like, you definitely did. You said that, too. You said at, that Saturday. Yeah, at, at the end of the day, man, it is what it is. But, yeah, Maul was tight. I was like, damn, this nigga. <laughs> yeah, bro. I'm, like, telling him, like, hey, bro, I got a man that they, they I ain't trying to hear it. Anyway, like, I was I'm telling like, him about clean. <laughs> he was mad. I, I was like. I was like, that was the last right. job, bro. <laughs> but no, nah, I did. I did get so I didn't have to buy no. I didn't. Uh, I didn't have to buy no new shoes, Dre. I, I was able to get the jumps out at the crib, so uh, nice, I, nice, I avoided nice. that one. I still gotta find my shirt though. Um, find some shit for that. Um, oh, it spilled on my jeans too. That's the part I left out. It spilled. I, I realized <laughs> when I got home that the drink spilled on my jeans too. So I was like, do I? I can get that out, but do I go to That's the cleaners easy. or do I? Yeah. yeah, do I wash it? So man, shorty, shorty talking about. Oh, I turned the hose because. You were saying it wasn't pulling. I'm like, bro, the joint was pulling the whole time. We just need a new cold. Like, yeah, that whole. What are you talking about? The second, the, the second spot? No, nah, the, the, at the at signature. What spilled on your shoes? The whole on, on your shoes. That's how the drink spilled. Yeah, she that's spilled what the, She spilled yeah. the shit on your shoes. Oh, yeah. she spilled. I didn't even see it, bro. Yeah, like, she knocked down the drinks. Yeah, Dre. Bruh. So that makes, bro. So she asked me. She asked me, "Did I give you your drink after?" Oh, she's she crazy. Blamed, no, she blamed it on AJ. She said AJ did it. She said you did it. AJ was like, yeah. "Nah, you did it." <laughs> I'm like, "Nah, you did it. You the one moving the hose and shit." Like, <laughs> I didn't even, bro. I didn't even realize that's even worse. Yeah. I'm over here. Look, I didn't even realize how the drink got spilled. I yeah, just looked that's down. That's how it she, happened. Yeah. So she, so she knocked the joint down, and then she had the nerve to ask me, "Did I give you your second drink, bro?" She knocked down two cups, bro. Like, yeah, mine, mine spilled. Too, Jamal. My, my drink spilled too. <laughs> I, uh, I, boy, if I'd have known, if I'd have known that, bro, I probably wouldn't have held my tongue. <laughs> nah, she, <laughs> she, she, she I looked at her. <laughs> go ahead, I was looking at her, bro. I was fighting. I was fighting back everything that I wanted to say. <laughs> that, that if I'd known that, bro, I would had a problem, bro. She looked. She and then she watched me. She was waiting for me to say something. I was like, bro. I was like, yeah, I got my, I got my drink. Yeah, uh, but I mean, it, it was good to link up with y'all, man. We, Absolutely, got to do it more often. Yeah, yeah, man. I let y'all, I let y'all pick the spot next time. I try <laughs> to keep it. I try to keep it in VA because it, it was cheaper. I already knew that, but you know, ultimately, whatever the NFL. But I mean, we could run Caspi back because, right, right, because, because, because Peacock is different. Like that's the right. only thing we went. We went for a Peacock game, so maybe like exactly. if, if Championship Sunday or something like that, maybe they they do have uh, the games on in there, or maybe right. this weekend or Saturday or Sunday they don't they don't have. Yeah, a they normally game. have it. Know. They normally have it on. I think for me, man, it was just the the combination of. Uh, of the taxing at the spot, which is cool. But then on top of that, you know what happened all before we even got to the spot. Yeah. Like I ordered a drink and a hookah and they weren't trying to change the channel and said they couldn't. So I said to them, Dre, like, yo, I just bought this hookah. I only had two puffs of the joint. Just give it to these young ladies over here instead of just throwing it away. They talking about, we don't know we could do that. I'm like, what you mean? I already paid for it. Like, I can move yeah. this shit wherever I want to. Right. Like, <laughs> so yeah. But I mean, and then to to cap it off, like the the whole, I get back. I'm like, dog, did they steal my car? Like, what happened? Because I'm the last thing I'm thinking is it got towed, and that joint definitely got towed. Hit me for two fifteen. Like, that's crazy. 
talking crazy. about, yeah, we charge you for a weekend, a weekend charge, an after hours charge. But why why did they tow your cars? The question yeah, is you weird parked illegally. Like, and on top of that, because somebody it? parked where I where I left. When I left, somebody took my parking spot. And and when you texted us, AJ, it was only like an hour or hour and a half when I yeah. since I left the spot. So what the I I'm confused. Yeah, bro. I don't, I don't know, man. They talking about oh, it's private parking. Uh, you weren't you weren't a customer at any of the. I didn't know that. What I was like, how would you know that, bro? I was in, I was arguing with this old white piece of trash, <laughs> like, like, bro, are you kidding me, dog? Like, what are you talking about? How you gonna tell me if I was a customer or not? Why would I be here? Like, I'm like, I've been, I've been doing business with these folks and been here for years, bro. I ain't never had no episode like this, but you know, today it snowed. Tomorrow I'm gonna go to the Arlington County Court, take care of that, cause I'm mm-hmm. like, nah, you definitely not about to finesse me, bro. Like. That was that was crazy. I'm like, I ain't had no choice but to take care of it now. I even I even called a non-emergency number. Like, yo, these people playing, bro. <laughs> I'm saying, I ain't trying to hurt nobody, dog. But these people playing. Technically, too, though, like you knew the owner. The owner knew you was in the establishment. Like, it could have yeah. been as simple. Like, like I I I can definitely provide proof that I was. I mean, I got my receipt. I got my transaction oh, yeah. history. That's what oh I'm yeah, saying. there you go. Like, Y'all, yeah, good scam running in, man. They was running mm-hmm. one on you, <laughs> dog. The lady said we towed eleven cars from here tonight. From there uh, tonight, I imagine said, if you was in the eleven times two fifteen. <laughs> right. I'm like, bro, I need to open up a tow company. Like this, that's insane. That's just mm-hmm. one business. Oh no, they do be jugging, bro. They, they, especially on the, the Maryland side. I know that, and especially at Morgan State, I got stories with that one. They be on, they be on moves, bro. Um, plotting. But all right, um, that's gonna wrap it up for us, Dre, AJ. Y'all boys be safe. We're gonna link in again before these playoffs is up. Uh, but yeah, we'll be back when we figure out this head coaching stuff. It's gonna be fluent. Um, y'all just stay tuned. Make sure y'all have alerts on for YouTube so we can we can just tap in when y'all when we get the news. But that's gonna take it up for us. All 32 is on Thursday. Uh, until then, be safe, man. Peace. Peace Damn, set, huh? Watch him throw the ball. We gon' pick it off. You gon' let him hit the hole or you gon' cut it off. You gon' play through fourth and long or you gon' punt it off. Your defenders have you hit us, put your pads in. Don't be looking for the ref to throw no flags in. Keep the helmet on, keep the cleats tight. You the type to want to win by any means, right? You should look alive. This is Trap or Dive.